Welcome to Tell Me More About Cohousing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Cohousing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We're developing the first co-housing project in Texas, in Houston, even ahead of Austin. And today, I'm here with Rosemary. Hi, Rosemary. Hi. How are you? I'm excited to have you on our podcast. And I'm excited to be here too. <laughs> Great. Well, so Lynn is still out of town. So while Lynn's out of town, I'm having uh, conversations with various other community members on topics that are important to our co-housing project. So we have Steve Stelzer, who uh, has spoken with me about sustainability. And then today I have Rosemary Loudon, who's going to talk about intergenerational living. And so Rosemary, I chose Rosemary in particular to talk about intergenerational living because Rosemary came to co-housing Houston with experience having lived in co-housing. So that is useful to us as a group and uh, gives her a lot of good things to talk about. And then also she moved to Houston to be closer to her grandchildren. So I feel like Rosemary brings a lot of, uh, she's living the intergenerational life <laughs> right now and brings some good perspective about it. So Rosemary, I was hoping that you would tell us a little bit about what brought you to co-housing in the first place and give us a little a little story of how you got to uh, got to co-housing Houston. Um, I was always attracted to the idea of co-housing from years ago um, because of the community, being able to live in a community. And so I jumped at the opportunity when the timing was right for me and I joined the community in um, the Seattle area. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a multi-generational community and it met all my needs. <laughs> it was just wonderful. So when I moved to Houston to be near the grandchildren, the first thing I did was to look to see if there was a co-housing community here. And that's how I found co-housing Houston. Yay. And we're so glad. And you. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> so when we talk about um, intergenerational communities, can you tell us a little bit about what intergenerational means? And then what are the different kinds of communities? I mean, it, are, it, is, are there only intergenerational co-housing communities or are there different ones? Well, there's intergenerational communities and there's also some seniors only communities. Okay. Um, but I love the intergenerational aspect of living together because it's living with people of all ages from babies through seniors and, and all ages in between. Um, it's just for me a joy of being with children and, um, and watching them as they grow, you know, from babies to toddlers to school-aged children, um, watching them graduate, watching them go off to college, get their degrees. It's just fabulous. I love yeah. that. Oh, that's great. I love that. So you had said that you had some experiences living in community that really solidified this for you, particularly in gardening. Oh, yes. Gardening was one of my passions. And I led the gardening team. We had a very large vegetable and flower garden and the children would help. So, so there was just fabulous um, time I had with little children in the greenhouse, helping them plant seeds. Mm -hmm. and then watering them and then watching them gen I mean just the joy of seeing their faces when the seeds germinated and then when they grew and they got to plant them out and they had labels with their names on so they knew whose whose zinnia this was um, <laughs> it was just a lot of fun doing that um, that's fantastic so yeah the joy of watching them grow and watching plants grow and um of teaching one another. Yeah. 
I feel like it's easy for me to see the benefits for kids in an intergenerational community because they not only have, you know, presumably their parents um, who have, you know, one one level of perhaps intense interest in how their kid is doing, but then they have kind of a broader group of people who also know that kid who can give some perspective and, you know, who've kind of been through whatever that age or stage was before. Um, and so maybe give a little bit of, of uh, yeah, just perspective, I think, on the way that, that kids are growing up or the way that, um, that what people are going through. And then I can see the benefit for kind of people my age, you know, to, to have my kids have experiences with people who are older, you know, and we don't have grandparents in town. And it's really nice for them to be able to have that kind of, you know, gentle attention that is really sweet and is really important part of the relationship. Um, and you spoke a little bit about how seniors, you know, what in intergenerational that it brings them joy to be around kind of younger people. But I was wondering if there are other kind of benefits to being a senior living in an intergenerational community. Well, um, th there's, uh, gosh, I'm losing it here. Um, <clears throat> seniors have got lots of time that they can spend doing things and they can be there when someone is needed. Yeah. Um, I think that what you said about grandparents is important too, because seniors can be surrogate grandparents, but in a way that they're not um, emotionally involved as much <laughs> in any of the family things. So it can be an extra, a different view of life that they're yeah. sharing. Oh, I like that. Yeah, you know, I think too about kind of the surrogate grandparent thing. I remember when my girls were little and we'd just gotten through kind of a whole bunch of, you know, like spring recitals and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then Easter was coming around and I, I was like, oh my gosh, now I have to dye some eggs. Like, are you kidding me? This is like so much. I don't have the capacity to get this done. And one of my neighbors was like, oh, I've always wanted to silk dye Easter eggs. And so she invited my girls over and just did that whole, it was an involved process. She had to find some silk ties at a thrift store and cut them up and have vinegar and hard boiled eggs. And, you know, like all of those things that are not, not tough if you, if, you, if you don't have a bunch of other stuff going on, but I found it to be too complex. I could not have done it on my own. And so I was really grateful um, for her to kind of just keep that going. You know, my kids have this wonderful memory of dying Easter eggs now um that they just wouldn't have had i would have just let that one go so I, I really appreciated this kind of sense of keeping keeping stuff together keeping stuff going right and and what i meant to say earlier is just that as a senior um you might spend more time on your own whereas mm -hmm. this takes you out of your own apartment um, or unit and come and talk to other people or you have a purpose because you promised to help someone with the Easter eggs or you promised to help them with the seeds, whatever. I think it really makes my life more, much richer. I think about that a lot with our group. Um, we've moved to Zoom, you know, like everybody else on the planet has. And I think a lot about the members of our group who initially were like, I don't know how to use Zoom. This is hard. Where's the mute button? You know, that kind of stuff. But honestly, everybody in our group, regardless of age, has has gotten to a point where we're all able to move around a Zoom environment with great ease. 
And I think in other other like groups I'm a part of, if somebody were struggling with it, I might just kind of like give them a pass or, you know, do a workaround or just do it myself or not really like hold them to the same level of um, contribution and to the same level of accountability as, um, as other people. You know, I might just be like, oh, you know, she's older, she's, Zoom's not her thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. But in co-housing, I think because um, I rely on you, I rely on my neighbors in a different way. And so I'm unlikely to just be like, oh, never mind, it's okay. I know you can learn Zoom. <laughs> I know that you can, you know, do whatever the thing is that the community is doing. And so in some ways, I wonder if that makes, it helps kids, I think, because kids then are expected to um, to work in a community in a way that is going to contribute and that is going to, they're going to, you know, you need to show up and be helpful at a work day and not be, you know, a distraction or, or difficult, you know, you, those are the expectations of, of the younger kids and, and therefore they do it. And it makes them really great, you know, members of the community, but similarly seniors, you know, you, you, there may be things you like physically couldn't do, but honestly, the things that you can do, you should do rather than just kind of letting seniors just kind of drift away or have reduced and reduced um, expectations. Um, right. About that a lot. And, and although you are expecting me to be as good at Zoom as you are one day, um, and I accept that challenge, there, there's also true that it's it, my experience in the community before is there are people in their uh, college years or their early 20s who are able to teach or, or fix a problem in technology yeah. that I wouldn't be able to do. So everybody yeah. has different skills they bring to the group. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that brings me to like this idea that there's a job for everybody in co-housing. Um, I share a story a lot about my my now uh, five foot six child, but who at the time she was three and um, we were at a work day and they're apple trees and apple trees drop apples. And if you just leave the apples, they ferment and attract bees and all kinds of stuff happens. So you need to pick up the apples, the downed apples. And so she was three and small and no adult wants to go climbing under an apple tree for a couple of hours. That sounds really painful and and exhausting. Um, But for a three-year-old, it's perfect. It's the perfect job. She could just crawl under the apple tree, go pick up all the downed apples, bring them out. Super proud of herself, really happy that she was able to do something um, and do something that nobody else could do, which is is great. And I think about that with having their different... There's a, there's a job for everyone. Yes. And one of the jobs that we had every year was harvesting potatoes. And um, uh, for those of you who haven't harvested potatoes, essentially you pull out the plant and then you find out how many potatoes there are underneath. And ideally you don't do it with a fork, you do it by hand. So you're grubbing around in the dirt, mm-hmm. finding out how many there are. And that was one of the favorite jobs um, of some of the young children. There was one little girl in particular used to come and bug me every day. Is it, is it time? Is it time? She just <laughs> loved harvesting potatoes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, even as a stay-at-home uh, parent um, in co-housing, I noticed that, that this, this concept that like I wasn't able to maybe do some other jobs because I had you know to get kids some dinner or you know do these other things. But I did have time. I was home during the day. And so I could be the person to sign for the organic chicken feed when it got delivered or, 
you know, that that contribution of time was really valuable. Um, and I know that that's something that seniors in our group at Cohousing Houston have be, been able to contribute is just time of uh, being available during the work day. Yeah, we had we had bulk buying. Uh, we were a rural community, so it was more helpful for us. And so the bulk buy truck would come and there'd be things that had to be unloaded, large quantities of things and sorted and put away, freezer, fridge, shelves, or taken to individuals for their orders. So it was really important there were three, four people available during the day when the truck came. Yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, people often ask me like, what are the struggles? You know, why, it does it sound like a good idea or does this sound like a bad idea? And one of the struggles that people ask about is, um, you know, do I really want to live with my parents? Like, do I really want to, I, I choose to not, you know, live with my parents. So why would I want to be in a community with their, all of their peers? You know, is that something that I would like or not like? Um, well, to me, it's very different. I mean, I've, I've lived with my daughter and son-in-law and it's a much more difficult relationship than living with, um, say you and people your age, people my daughter's age, um, because there are guardrails. There, there's things that we don't share. Yeah. Um, we, we all have our separate income. We have clear community norms of how we're gonna behave. We don't have the history of parent-child um, imbalance in, in power, if you like. Yeah. So it's a completely different relationship and you can um, make it a closer relationship or keep it slightly more at arm's length. It's up to you. Yeah, that's a good point too, that not everybody in the community is going to, you're not going to be close with literally everyone in the community. Some people no. are closer to than others. Yeah. And some people enjoy spending time with children more than others do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I've noticed too, that it's interesting that some people come to co-housing because they enjoy or want to be an intergenerational because they want to be with or around children, younger children. And then some people want to be an intergenerational because they just want to be around kind of younger adults, you know, not right. necessarily children, but people who are, you know, in, in kind of the beginning of their careers or the middle of their careers that it's interesting and invigorating to have people coming in. Uh, Absolutely. Who have, yeah, or just at different spots. That's interesting. So I've been thinking a lot about Halloween because it's, you know, October. And so, and I don't know if I've shared this story before with you, Rosemary, but my girls, when we when we moved out of co-housing, we were getting ready for our first Halloween in Houston and they were like, well, what are you going as? And I was like, oh, well, you know, outside of co-housing, adults don't usually dress up for Halloween, like on the night, like maybe they'll go to a party, but, you know, they don't usually dress up and go trick or treating. And they were so sad. <laughs> they were really sad that that we weren't going to, you know, share in that um, in that celebration with them. And I think yeah. about it, if you live in co-housing, you have a reason. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember my first um, Halloween at, at uh, co-housing because I hadn't done trick-or-treating very much um, since the children had grown up. And um, here we were and everyone said, what are you going as? And I said, what do you mean? You have to get dressed up. And he said, Absolutely everybody's going to be dressed up. So it was a little anxiety about that, but then it was so much fun and I would almost be planning my next year's Halloween costume in advance. So yeah, yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you so much, Rosemary, for coming and chatting with us about this. Um, I would get at the other end of the intergen, but 
it's hard to interview a two-year-old and all the other kids are in school. Yeah, so. right. Yeah. <laughs> so really you just get like two of the generations, not all. Yes. Yes. Well, thanks well, for thank stopping you, by. So glad you clicked on our episode today. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing Houston. Thanks. Bye. You stop recording.